This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and today I have Terrence, a special guest. He has an incredible naked life story to share with you um, that has some ups and downs, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So we will get started with Terrence. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is great to be on here. I, uh, trying to think of where to start. Um, I guess the beginning is probably (laughs) the sensible place. Um, like a lot of us, I have a pretty epic saga, um, of drinking, but, uh, uh, it started when I was a freshman in high school and the uh the party i was at was um this huge house in napa california so it was it was actually right next to a vineyard um oh, wow. <laughs> as cliche as that is um and i uh as soon as i started drinking i realized that this was um the beginning of an incredible romance. <laughs> and I just remember uh, just holding the bottle of vodka um, at a pretty much a 90 degree angle and just chugging it. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was um, waking up on the volleyball court <laughs> in, um, at the house, covered in my own vomit and Taco Bell. Wow. So at some point that night, I uh, ate Taco Bell <laughs> and threw up. But yeah, um, but yeah, so that wasn't um, probably a great sign, but you know, um, I was in high school. And so, and I actually didn't really drink much after that, um, sans a few occasions. Um, for the rest of high school because I actually ended up joining a, um, a Christian youth group. Um, I skateboarded and I didn't really have, just to give this sort of some context, I, um, so I grew up in Napa and I was one of the few poor kids. Um, I, I grew up in a house that no one wanted to visit. Um, my mom was a, she struggled very, very severely with alcohol. Um, she was a bartender. I sort of grew up in a bar, which <laughs> isn't as glamorous as Cheers will have you believe. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't have a dad. I, I didn't really have any family besides my mom and my brother who, um, he had his own addiction issues. So he, with alcohol as well. Um, so I ended up joining a youth group um, really just to not be in my house and to be around other people. I, I, found, I finally found a crew of people who were sort of from my side of the tracks. Um, and we all skateboarded and I started playing drums there. And it, it really, and upon reflection, um, it, it really saved my life. And so I didn't drink. Um, until I stopped going to that church, which was around when I was 18. And then, um, you know, it was, it was just a sort of 
I guess the typical um, sort of unfolding after that, I, uh, you know, I drank here and there, but it was never, um, I, I don't know, I think I sort of had a chip on my shoulder because I was, I think, the only person in my family to graduate high school and um, drinking wasn't a big part of my life yet. So I was like, there's no way I'll struggle with it. You know, I'll be the exception. Um, and it felt like that was the case for a long time. I, I went to, I started college. Um, I actually started bartending around the same time. I was working in restaurants and I, I moved up to bartending around the same time. And I, um, yeah, re really wasn't, um, doing anything that was, um, concerning. And then I, I started playing music more and more. And I, um, as I started bartending, I, so backtrack a little bit. I, when I was younger, I, um, I, I've always struggled with anxiety. Um, I, I felt really just not comfortable with my skin growing up. Um, you know, I, I just felt, I, the, the best way to describe it is I just felt kind of sick all the time. Hmm. Um, and I had a lot of fear. There's a lot of things for me to fear in my life, um, both at home and, and outside of home. Um, so I, you know, not surprisingly had anxiety issues. And when I was behind the bar, it was terrifying. And I just remember um, realizing that I could drink while working because no one was really paying attention. And in California at the time, it wasn't, they weren't that strict on bartenders not drinking. So I drank and I just realized that I could deal with stress with alcohol. Um, and my anxiety would be, you know, manageable, at least <laughs> temporarily. And uh, I think what started, what sort of brought me up to the next level in my alcohol use was I went on a trip to Europe in 2000, uh, 2006. <laughs> I have my story over here just to keep me on track. Um, in 2006, I went to Europe for the World Cup with a, a buddy of mine and um, we actually, we didn't go to any games cause they were extremely expensive, but we, uh, we, we like to joke how we, we drank all the beer in Europe. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, we were there for a month and I think I drank every single day. Um, and we, we were on a pub crawl in Berlin and I just remember I was, you know, pretty haggard from the night before and we started drinking and I just remember like just having the worst anxiety. And I had this really odd panic attack that I, I had never had a panic attack like it. And we ended up having to leave and um, we went and stayed in the, I think we we're staying in a hostel and I just slept. But ever since then, it was like pretty much if I wasn't drinking, I had severe anxiety. And that just continued to escalate. I mean, there were, you know, there were a lot of um, peaks and valleys, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and I think as, as time progressed, the valleys got a little wider and a little deeper and the, and the, the peaks didn't, they weren't, you know, they weren't as, uh, uh, as high, I guess. But, um, 
yeah, and I, you know, I graduated college. I just, you know, I kept, I kept doing all these things that I never thought I'd be able to do. Graduate college, I ended up getting a job with a nonprofit. Um, it was part time, so I continued to bartend. Um, the money was obviously not great at the nonprofit, but it was, it was good with the, with the bar um, work. So, I just kept that up. Um, kept treating my anxiety with with booze. Uh, kept playing music, kept, you know, which all these, um, all these scenes really, uh, cultivated drinking that, you know, I mean, obviously bartending, I'd get off work and I'd drink, um, with my coworkers, play a show, I'd drink, um, even the nonprofit scene, everyone drinks, you know, it's, um, it was the, so I went to school and, and after college, I lived in, uh, Sonoma County. And so the, once again, in California, so there was a lot of, lot of wine there, a lot of beer. Um, and I think sort of the next, the, the next event that really elevated my drinking was um, I got a job at a, a brewery in Santa Rosa, California. That was, it was like the happening spot. It was, I mean, it was uh, always busy, you know, um, had a real punk rock sort of, um, you know, working class feel. Uh, and if you worked there, you were the coolest person in the town, you know, and I was probably like 26 when I got a job there. And I just, you know, I, I always wanted to fit in, you know, I, I felt very, um, I've always felt pretty disconnected. Um, not as much lately, but, you know, growing up, I always felt pretty disconnected. So this was an, you know, a really exciting, um, job and I worked there for about three years and, uh, you know, like my, uh, my drinking really progressed there. It was, um, it was very okay. And it was even, um, sort of, uh, just encouraged to drink while on shift. Um, and that's what I did. And I, you know, I was there for 40 plus hours a week. And so I would work, you know, all night, drink, <laughs> get off work, drink. And I think around that time, I started noticing that, you know, I could pretty much drink in the morning a little bit to sort of relieve the hangover and relieve the anxiety and just the, um, just that off feeling I had from the night before. And, um, I, my job there started to get a little bit tenuous. Um, I started not showing up for work, um, and I went through like a, a breakup and I, of course, you know, saw that as an excuse to drink even heavier. And I, um, I ended up moving to San Francisco and I'm um, leaving that job eventually. And, um, I tried to get a job in a non-bar situation. Um, I did and I hated it. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I think I stopped drinking for about a week. And I ended up um, getting another job at a bar, at a, a bar that was um, equally as happening. It was a tequila bar in San Francisco. Um, so, that, yeah, that, that didn't turn out so well. <laughs> so, yeah, same situation. It was very happening. I felt really cool working there. You know, I got a lot of attention, a lot of um, – yeah, it was just really fun. Um, but – my drinking progressed. And once again, it was really hard for me to, um, I stayed there for about two years, but around that time, um, my struggles started to become a little bit more apparent. 
And I um, <laughs> sort of, I, you know, I, instead of looking at sort of my relationship to alcohol, I blamed it on working in bars. Um, you know, I had, I hadn't worked in a nonprofit for a while, which was what I, what I wanted to do. Um, I went to school for uh, biology. So I wanted to um, save the animals. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up moving to Guatemala um, to do an internship with a nonprofit there. And I figured I would be able to leave the bar scene and um, not uh, drink as much. And, you know, my, um, my struggles would not be there. <laughs> um, so I went to Guatemala and I proceeded to drink. Uh, you know, there, there were definitely a good amount of times while I was there where it was, um, it should have been an indicator that I still had a problem, but it wasn't as uh, chronic as it had been when I was working at the bars. I, um, I was there for three months and I actually met my now current partner there. Um, and I came back and I got a job with the university of California. So it worked in that I got out of the bar scene. Um, and yeah, and I mean, just kind of fast forward. I, um, I ended up working at a bar again, uh, probably because I was somewhat addicted to that <laughs> a little bit. And it was of course a great um, atmosphere uh, for wanting to drink. And I um, ended up moving to, so I ended up um, reconnecting with the woman who I had met in Guatemala. Um, she was visiting the Bay Area. She was living in Oregon and she was visiting the Bay Area. And we, um, reconnected and we decided very impulsively to move to Portland, um, <laughs> which is really fun and really exciting. And we did that. And um, within a week of moving there or two weeks of moving there, I had a job at a brewery, once again, a very happening brewery and we were pregnant. So yeah. And um Things definitely started to sort of progress. I uh, once again started drinking while I was working. I um, there was a little bit stricter there. The Oregon laws are a little bit stricter, and just the the facility was a little bit more. Um, they just sort of uh, kept tabs on people a little bit better. But um, my, my relationship to alcohol continued to change. It was very. Um, I was really. I was uh, treating my anxiety. I mean, you know. It was, Alcohol, um, it's obviously not sustainable, but man, it feels like it's working when you're feeling anxiety. And just to, just to jump around a little bit. So while I was, while I was living in San Francisco and while I was living um, or while I was working for the University of California, I um, had health insurance for the first time and I went to a doctor for my anxiety and um, they sent me to a specialist. I can't remember what her position was, but she um, asked me a lot about my childhood and everything. And she um, diagnosed me with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And of course, during that, um, that session, she uh, told me to stay away from alcohol and that 
Um, I probably, you know, sort of, uh, I probably wasn't honest with how much I was drinking, but she said that, you know, um, I probably shouldn't um, be drinking at all or, you know, just trying to drink very much. Mm-hmm. But I, so yeah, so that it was, um, it was a pivotal time just because it finally, like finally understood why I always felt the way I did. Um, so that was important, but I didn't do anything to deal with anxiety other than drink. <laughs> so fast forward to Oregon. Um, so we had our, our, our daughter, um, Emerson, and uh, we ended up moving to Eugene, Oregon to be closer to my partner, Shannon's family. Um, and I continued to work in bars. Uh, I also... Um, worked remotely for a nonprofit doing development work. Um, and I, I can still have that job. And I, um, the first year of our daughter's life really was, I feel like where my drinking got to where it sort of ended. Um, it was sort of the last stage in my progression, um, or my descent, um, which I, I think is a fantastic way to, to look at it. Um, so I, uh, yeah, the first year I was working, um, two jobs I was working for a, a local beer place. And then I was working for a nonprofit. Um, and then my partner was staying at home and she was dealing with a really, she was dealing with really severe postpartum. And, um, I don't know, we, uh, we both were treating our stress and our symptoms, mine, anxiety and hers, depression with booze. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I started, uh, binging, um, which I hadn't really ever done. I started drinking more in the morning, um, and then just kind of keeping my buzz going until passing on the evening. Yeah, it, um, it got really bad. I, uh, tried to quit a few times. I went to AA a few times. I, um, nothing, you know, I, I kept making excuses and I, I kept, I kept finding reasons to, to drink. And, you know, I would be able to go a, a couple of weeks. Um, I think the longest I had was probably around three months. Um, I, I went to an outpatient treatment and, um, but really uh, it, it was sort of finite because I would, I would reach a, a point where my um, anxiety would just win. And, you know, I would uh, um, just, I'd be constantly battling that and I would just become exhausted and I would just give in and alcohol, as soon as I, you know, even before, <laughs> which you talk about, I know you talk about this in your book, um, even before, you know, I would actually drink anything, I felt relief, I felt mm-hmm. comfort. And um, um, so I... Uh, I, you know, I kept trying to quit and I, I found a program. It was a, it's a, um, I, I really didn't want to go to AA. Like I didn't really didn't want to commit to AA and I ended up finding this Buddhist program and I, you know, I've always been interested in Buddhism and meditation. And I think I ended up, um, accumulating around nine months of, uh, not drinking. And the last few months of it were just, brutal. Um, my anxiety was completely unmanageable. I, you know, I didn't even want to get out of bed. Um, I was really emotional. Um, like 
essentially every couple of weeks I would have to cry. <laughs> like I would just have to cry just in order to like, I don't know, just get some relief. Um, it was, it was really, it wasn't fun at all. And, um, and not surprisingly, I drank again. Um, it was only for six days, but it was, it was, um, you know, a lot changed because of the, those six days. Um, I, I really, uh, um, I don't know if you want me to continue into like me not drinking, but that's sort of a, my yeah, dream. I'd love to hear it, especially because anxiety is such a thing that people struggle with. So any way that, you know, you handled it, I think people would really appreciate hearing about that. Yeah. You know, um, when I was doing the, when I was involved in the Buddhist program, I did notice a difference when I was meditating every, you know, um, almost every day. Uh, it was the closest I had had and not drinking, you know, and, you know, not surprisingly after, you know, uh, a couple months, my anxiety would get less intense, but then, um, I think I would, you know, I'm not exactly, I don't really understand, you know, the biochemistry or the, the, the biology behind anxiety and PTSD and stuff, but, um, I think I would just reach this point where I would realize like, this is the rest of my life, you know, like, uh, and, and it, it would, um, it would get the best of me eventually. And it would sort of wear on me and, um, it wasn't sustainable. And the, one of the reasons why I was, I've been able to, you know, um, be alcohol free for this long now is after, I drank again after those six days. Um, I had about six months and I was very involved in AA. I, you know, after those six days, I was like, I'm, I don't care what I have to do. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm just going to make this my life. And I did. And it, you know, it kept me sober for about six months. And then around there, I was once again, you know, really struggling with anxiety and I was either going to drink again or I was, you know, suicidal. And I finally, and this was one of those pivotal moments of my life. I went and saw my doctor and was for the first time honest with him and told him that I didn't want to drink. And I also didn't want to feel like this anymore and how serious it was. And he found a medication for me. And, um, it's not a, uh, it's not as widely used as what I think most people are, are taking these days. Um, I don't know if you want me to say the name of it or not, or that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think people would love to hear it. Um, yeah. So it's called amitriptyline. It's um, I think the, the brand name is Elavil or whatever, but it's, uh, it's an older drug. I think it's like a tricyclic, tricyclic antidepressant is what I think what they're called, but it's, um, it's old school. It's from the, it's from the fifties, I guess it's uh, it was created by the Koreans during the Korean war. And it, um, yeah, I mean, it saved my life. It absolutely did. You know, I, he put on the uh, lowest dosage and the next day I felt like I've never felt, I, I didn't feel anxiety. Um, you know, I, I thought, it could have been like a placebo effect. And I really, I really was convinced it was for a little while, but, um, and I didn't want to get too, you know, um, optimistic so soon, but that hasn't changed. And I've been on it for coming up on a year 
Yeah, it's just about a year actually. Um, so yeah, I, um, and not shockingly, my desire to drink went with that. You know, I, um, I still went to AA for another about six months and I, um, yeah, my whole life changed. You know, I, uh, I like, I, I would, I would always do this thing before, before I was on the meds, I would do this thing where I would, I'd like be like sniffling and it was, and I wasn't sick. I didn't have any allergies. It was just me trying to breathe. I could never take deep breaths. I was always taking really shallow breaths. It was kind of like trying to breathe through a, you know, like one of those stirring straws you get with like your coffee. It was, it was miserable. And, um, like I can now take deep breaths. Um, I, you know, it's, it's like, no matter how much, um, stress I'm under, you know, I don't have to use alcohol now to, um, sort of put out the fire, you know, to, um, I can, I can take deep breaths. I can, you know, usually find, you know, just enough calm to kind of get me through, um, stressful events. And yeah, so that, you know, that was one very pivotal, um, part of my, you know, both my, uh, my journey into not drinking, but also just in my life. Um, because my life, uh, you know, with, without alcohol and, um, without anxiety is <laughs> remarkably better. So, um, awesome. That's incredible. It's so cool. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, and then the next, next huge part was, uh, reading your book, which my partner got, um, got me for my birthday and it was, it was amazing timing because I was, I really didn't want to go to AA anymore. Um, I, I didn't really want to call myself an alcoholic, you know. Um, I really didn't want to, you know, focus on my defects. I, like, I didn't really want to do all these things that, um, you know, I felt kind of in a lot of ways perpetuated the stigma and the shame. And, you know, I um, I just, I loved sort of like how the book um, meets people where they're at and just it has such a um, sort of a compassionate look um, at alcohol addiction. And um, I just, yeah, I, you know, my, my recovery sort of program just took a, um, it just, you know, went a different direction, just right around, right about a year of not drinking. Um, and it's, you know, huge part of it was your book. So thank you. Oh, that's, awesome. that's so cool. That's great. Um, do you, is there anything else that you do? I, I mean, the Buddhism is huge and then, you know, those practices and then obviously the medication is huge. And even if it is some placebo, who cares, right? It's working. And that's <laughs> important. Right. So yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, but is there anything else that you do or do you feel like that really takes care of it? Because I know anxiety is such a, a huge one for, I mean, me, for so many people, um, Anything else? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, exercise is something I, you know, I always try to use. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I struggle with, uh, you know, workaholism and do a holism, um, which I think a lot of us do as well. And, 
you know, trying to manage that. Um, obviously if I have too much on my plate, um, cause you know, it's not like I don't have anxiety anymore. It's, but I don't have that like constant generalized anxiety. Mm-hmm. No matter what I was doing, I, you know, I pretty much felt sick. And now it's like, I have anxiety from things that give you anxiety, like, you know, stress and, um, too much caffeine, you know, not enough sleep, things like that. Um, yeah, exercise is a really big part of it. Um, being outdoors, um, you know, being outside with my daughter, um, going to parks and just kind of being in the moment, um, being able to always come back to my breath, you know, is just, it's, um, really huge Mm -hmm. helps to, um, you know, get me out of, you know, uh, whatever, whatever thinking cyclone I'm in or whatever anxiety I've got going on in my brain. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's so big. Those are huge. I totally agree. Exercise and just being able to like come and just realize, oh, okay. In this moment, everything is okay. So that's all I have to really care about is right now. You know, it's so big. Yeah. Awesome. And, yeah. And I think, and another part of it that I, I didn't really give too much thought to until recently is, you know, um, the, the, the post-acute withdrawals, um, post-acute withdrawal syndrome, I think is what, what it's called. But, you know, I think right around a year, I, th- I think it, I've heard it can last up to a year. Again, I don't really know too much about the science behind it, but um, I think, you know, with the help of the, the medication, I think my body's been able to kind of, my brain's been able to find, you know, a new homeostasis that doesn't involve alcohol and it doesn't involve, you know, persistent anxiety. <laughs> um, so I think that's also part of it. You know, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now used to not treating my anxiety with booze. And so my brain's, you know, learned to sort of self-regulate a little better. Yeah, that's huge. That's awesome. Um, so I always ask this question at the end, and that's really <laughs> like, what would you call, uh, what would you tell Terrence before about like what life's like now and, you know, just the even possibility of navigating some of these things without alcohol? Would you let him know to encourage him? Yeah. Um, that's such a good question. I, I mean, that it's going to be okay. You know, that, you know, it's, uh, it's really hard right now and um, that it's probably challenging to see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, but um you know, life is going to be something you never thought it could be. And um, it's pretty beautiful. So. Oh, it's so awesome. So <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much. What a, what a powerful story. It's, it's really cool. I really enjoy it. Um, I'm actually just getting ready to, so I've, I have so many of these stories now from mm-hmm. years of doing this and I'm really considering trying to put a bunch of them together in like a book of all our stories. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. So if you're, you know, interested in having you know, because I think there's a lot, you know, ground a lot of baggage to be dealt with there. And then just the uncertainty of like home life, you know, going from 
for me, it was, you know, my mom's house to my dad's house and going back and forth. But it's interesting when you start to trace some roots of your anxiety back that far. It's like, oh, wow. Anyway, I think your story is great. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that dislocation, you know, that you kind of experience can be a huge, a huge part of uh, why we end up drinking. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And everything. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. And of course, I'd love to be a part of that. Awesome. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Terrence. So nice to meet you and have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much, Annie. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Have you tried the alcohol experiment? Okay, if not, drop everything and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment. This free 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You remember it was that version of you that's living your most joyful life, the version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or to have a good time and is having more fun than ever. And again, this is a totally free challenge that will change everything for you. So learn more and join me 100% free at thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.